And I think that it definitely can be difficult, especially in these years, if you feel different for whatever reason. Again, like you said, not just physically, but, you know, somewhere in your heart you just feel different or um, kind of excluded from other kids. But I think it's really important to remember that um, everyone is just as worthy as the next person um, and that you have an, an opinion and a presence that deserves to be shared. And, um, yeah, I, I just am grateful that I got told that as a young age and now I'm still able to tell myself. Today we're joined with Nora Carrington. Nora is a current junior at GHS. I first met Nora as a seventh grader. She, it was just four short years ago. She was in my language arts class. Nora, like so many of my guests, is incredibly busy with school. She's got a part-time job. Uh, the holidays are here. She's got an upcoming track season. And so I'm incredibly grateful that she's taken time out to talk with us. Thanks, Nora. Oh, hello. Hello. Thank you. All right. So I, I want to go, go back. We're going to get in a time machine here and uh, start when I first met you. So seventh grade language arts. Can you picture it? Unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> I'm just my kidding. goodness. <laughs> All right. So a little little background. You come from a multiracial family. Um, I love uh, both of your parents. They're very incredibly <laughs> sweet people. Shout out to them. Yep. <laughs> um, admittedly, Granville is not like the most diverse setting in the world. Um, yep. And some of those circumstances uh, being different can cause people to feel marginalized. And sometimes they lose their voice because of that. You, however, when I think back to you as a seventh grader, and I don't know if you remember, but I, there were several times that I actually like told you this uh, specifically, um, but you had a voice. You you just seemed very confident in who you were and, you're, and, and, and had no problems telling people your ideas and what you thought. And um, you were actually getting ready to take a year off of school to travel with your parents, yeah. um, which will come up in a little bit. But um, when I said that, I was I remember telling you, I was like, oh, like such a bummer because you're such a presence in our classroom. Um, and I, I just really you're so welcome. Um, I remember I remember just thinking that. And so that was something I wanted to talk to you about and give you a chance. I'm, I'm curious where you think that that confidence and self-awareness comes from. Um, and then maybe, you know, if you could give our listeners, especially some who may feel like they maybe don't fit in or maybe are marginalized a little bit, some advice on how they access kind of that same energy and confidence. Um, yeah, so I definitely think that, like, my whole life I haven't really had um, any problem kind of just having a sense of self, and I've just always had a lot of respect for myself, and I think that that stems from, um, you know, I, I have uh, respect for other people, and I just feel like I should extend that same, like, respect and kindness to myself, um, and I don't know, I just feel like everyone's voice like no matter who you are deserves to be heard and so I just kind of <laughs> have extended that um, onto myself but I really like when it comes to my learning um, and I always have to be able to kind of share my opinions um, and just be like a present part of class because I have to be there so um, I, I may as well uh, try and you know take an active role um, and I definitely think that it can be intimidating to be, you know, different from other people, especially visually, like you said, with um, my parents uh, being two different races. Sorry, it took a long pause there. <laughs> um, but I moved from Virginia when I was in sixth grade, and um, the school that I moved from was a lot more diverse than Granville, even though it was really small. Um, but, 
you know, I just moved here and I've never really viewed myself as different from other people. Do um, you, um, I'm just curious because, you know, it, you, you say it as though it's like, it's just kind of is, which I think is amazing. Like, I love that you have that, that perspective and that awareness about yourself. Um, I'm curious, is that something that you heard growing up? Like, is that something do you think was instilled in you at some point? Or do you think it was just a part of who you are and your presence and what you believed? Well, you know, I think my parents growing up, um, it just never really was something that was like brought up um, around me or something that we really discussed that much because obviously they didn't view it as anything to be a problem or something strange. So I, I just feel like I never really picked up on that. Um, and additionally, when it comes to myself, I always just think that, and other people really, that's just something that I had no control over and I can't change. So I don't let it, you know, impact me. And then obviously, of course, my parents taught me to be respectful of other people and um, that uh, getting to know other cultures and stuff like that is really important. So I just always feel I should extend that to myself too. Yeah, I think I, I love that. I think there's like there's two ways that you can learn or or as a parent, like two ways that I try to teach my kids. And and one is through like, you know, blatantly telling them and talking to them and saying, you know, you know, this is how it, I, I would like you to act. or This is how it should be. And then I also know that they're probably learning more from me by watching me and how I'm yeah. acting and what I'm doing. And so I wonder if you reflect about that or can at all. Like, you know, maybe there wasn't like direct um, you know, talking to you about being confident in who you are, but did you get to see that growing up? Um, yeah, I definitely think that I did, um, and especially with my dad because he has a very outgoing personality, um, and he loves to interact with people, um, you know, be they strangers or friends, and um, their community when we lived in Virginia was all their different military friends, and obviously everyone there comes from different backgrounds, so to just watch my parents interact with people just, you know, as they are, just as people, um, it really just, I don't know, it showed me. Yeah. <laughs> how I, to act. And that's why I asked, you know, I, I know your dad really well. And um, I love that about him and his personality. And yeah, I think I think there is something about that, you know, the impact and power of watching, you know, two two of your parents be really confident and outspoken and know who yeah. they are. And, um, you know, whether they were they were directly teaching it or just showing it yeah. as a pretty uh, big impact. So how about you said you were at um, a school before you came here and it was much more diverse. What what grade was were you in when you were there? So actually my school journey has been very, um, I guess, unconventional. So I started, even before I went into school, in my preschool, I was at a Waldorf co-op and I was like homeschooled by my mom. But we lived in the D.C. area, so obviously there were all sorts of kids there. Can you help me with um, what's a Waldorf? Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. When I was growing up, it was like that you learned stories about, like, fairies and gnomes and dragons. I'm sure that's a really ignorant Yeah, <laughs> description of, of what it is. Yeah. yeah, but it's just a really, like, non-conventional um, learning that kind of focuses, like, on the child's well-being and them, their imagination and stuff like that. So it was really cool as a young kid. Um, I mean, I, you know, as an educator, though, it's it's something that's really hard to teach and facilitate, but so important is that, you know, creativity and curiosity and having an imagination unlocks all the other things because you can dream it and imagine it and then yeah. go do it. And so that's a pretty cool approach. Yeah, it was. It, it was just a different um, style of toys and stuff like that. And, and we would spend a lot more time outside um, – you know, play with wooden toys or things that mimicked like home settings, hmm. like little wooden kitchens and things like that. 
it's a terrible um, <laughs> description, <laughs> but it was it was pretty cool. It was great. So. You know, I, I think I, I'm sure it's exactly as you said, though, like a more deliberate <laughs> yeah. approach um, to doing it different and, and trying to be creative and play based. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm really grateful, actually, that I got that experience. Um, it's still pretty ingrained in me. You know, I really like nature. I like to be outside. And I think that especially for young children, um, not just shoving them in the classroom is the best thing that you could do. Yeah, so. and I think we're still struggling on how do we figure that out or do that more effectively and get kids outside because, you know, we, we're doing we're dealing with, you know, there's just a sheer number of students. and yeah. um, but, it, but it is a travesty to think about kids spending their entire time inside of block walls all day. Like, that's a hard way to learn, for sure. I know, yeah. I know. And that's definitely something that I've grown to dislike. Yeah. But um, so, so in, in these other settings that you said were more diverse, can you like, can, can you think back and did it feel different than being in Granville? Like, is that experience different or it, it, it wasn't a, really a factor? Like, is there, did, did it feel the learning environment feel different? Um, you know what? I think when I was, um, in those schools and at those ages, I really just didn't notice it. I don't have any distinct memories of thinking of myself as different or thinking, oh, there's another... I don't know, kid who's <laughs> different <laughs> than yeah. me. Um, but I definitely think that when I got older and I went to my Montessori school, it did feel like a very different environment. Even just that there were kids um, with different sounding names or, you know, uh, were bringing different food to lunch, stuff like that. Um, and I definitely think it was normalized. Obviously, we never, there were never any problems with people being unkind to them but I just thought that was nice and a more comfortable um environment really for me to be in um yeah does it feel abnormal here with a lack of diversity or is it 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 doesn't like it just doesn't you know, register it it is a little bit uncomfortable for me I must say um just because I think as you get older like you start to think more about how you look and how you're perceived and stuff like that and so um, it, it does, I don't know, it, it's kind of, um, discouraging sometimes when you look around at other people and you, you just feel like you don't really fit in. I mean, even when it comes down to my hair, like, I have to battle with it every morning and I come to school and see people with, like, really pretty, like, curled hair or straightened hair and I think, oh gosh, I wish I could have that. But then I just try and remind myself that, like there really is a very important place in the world for everyone. Um, and there's no reason to say that any one thing is better than or worse than another. Just for sure. to get a, a more um, well-rounded experience, I think, anywhere you are. And I think people coming from different places really bring different perspectives into conversations and stuff like that. Um, and that's always been really important for me. Um, and my dad definitely raised me <laughs> to be that way, to, to try and really understand where everyone's coming from. And if everyone's coming from the same place, then you don't have any <laughs> opportunity to do that. You, you've had such an opportunity to be a lot of different places, which is great. And mm -hmm. I, I, I can't help but imagine what it would feel like if you were in the same situation and you hadn't had and been able to experience something other than that, to know that like this is just a, a it's not the norm, right? Like the rest mm -hmm. of the world looks very different. Um, so I, I'm glad that you have that that perspective and experience. Um, I, I love, you know, 
for my my personal journey was very it was very similar uh, school district in that there wasn't a ton of diversity mm-hmm. uh, and I loved when I went to college because all that changed right like you yeah. instantly were thrust amongst people from all over the world they spoke different languages different ethnicities um, and and it, it was I just loved it it was great you know yeah. uh, getting to meet different people I'm change your perspective to that, absolutely and no I definitely do think it changes your perspective for the better. Um, and I just think it forces you to be a more open-minded person and that never hurts. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to just, you know, it, you can feel different or marginalized for all kinds of different reasons. And exactly. you, you had said like, you know, there, it's one thing because you might look different, but there, there are also things that you can't even tell from someone's appearance necessarily that, that they feel or look or, or don't feel like they fit in somewhere. Definitely. Um, so I think a lot of listeners, a lot of people probably feel that in some capacity. So, so, but I feel like you also, we talked in the beginning, have this great presence and energy. And so how do you, how do you do that? Like, where do you find that? And, and, you know, what advice can you offer to somebody who may feel like they don't belong or don't fit in, um, to, to sort of access that same kind of confidence? Um, well, I definitely think that, um, I don't know, self-discovery has definitely been a long and ongoing journey for me. Um, but I just think that um, it's really important to have people in your lives that support you and um, just really make you feel like what you have to say is worth being listened to and, um, and you know, that, that they enjoy being around you. And just to hear stuff like that, which I'm grateful to have heard um, growing up, it really just helped me to be able to say those things to myself, um, even when I'm having not the greatest day, you know, I know that I, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, have an opinion that, um, is (laughs) interesting and that I want to share, and I think that it definitely can be difficult, especially in these years, if you feel different for whatever reason. Again, like you said, not just physically, but, you know, somewhere in your heart, you just feel different or, um, kind of excluded from other kids, but I think it's really important to remember that um, everyone is just as worthy as the next person, um, and that you have an, an opinion and a presence that deserves to be shared, and um, yeah, I, I just, I'm grateful that I got told that as a young age, and now I'm still able to tell myself, and another thing I wanted to add is that it really helps if you get to know yourself and have a really strong sense of who you are and what you stand for. Um, so I definitely take a lot of time out of my life. Um, and I think we were going to talk about this later, but um, just to kind of um, get to know myself more and take care of myself and um, my mental health. And I think that if you are really just confident knowing what you stand for and um, what you can bring to the table, then you will have no problem. I, I love, are, are you, are you 17, 16? Um, 16, I'll be 17 soon. I love that you said it's been a long journey of self-discovery and I love it for two, <laughs> I love it for two reasons. One, because you're already thinking about it, which I think that speaks to your maturity and, and you're sort of like, you're, you're ahead of the game if you're already like thinking about that deeply on a level of like, who am I and, and what do I believe? And um, that's so important for, for everyone to do. And also I, I like it because it's only been 16 years and I feel like <laughs> I'm 42 and I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. So mm-hmm. I, but I think, you know, you've set the precedent that you're thinking about those things and it, it'll just be a lifelong journey, right. Of continually yeah. asking yourself those questions and, 
figuring it out and and loving yourself which you know at the start of this question you kind of it was like matter of fact of like it's it's just how it is like i you know i'm i i am who i am and um I, I don't I don't want to undersell like how important that is that you you love who you are and mm-hmm. everyone should like right we're all put on this planet yes. who we are I feel and, so strongly yeah about that. and there was a great quote this week actually in my class that we talked about and I, I I don't know it exactly I'm gonna mess it up but it was just this idea of like don't lose your weirdness and your uniqueness because it's actually what the world will you know reward it's what the world's looking for mm-hmm. you know what makes you different is actually what the world needs it's not and, and you know. I gear this podcast a lot towards middle school students, but it's it's for, for everyone of, you know, the the push and pull to try to be normal is not what we need in our world. It's oh it's, gosh, it's actually no. your weirdness is what we need and what other people will celebrate uh, mm-hmm. later on. And so um, holding and I, on to that. I think that's so true. And I also think, um, touching on what you just said, that the people that you really want to surround you are the people that encourage that um, and support you for being that way. Um and again, those are the people that are going to tell you that that they enjoy being around you, um, you know, that you're a cool person, that you're worthy, and that you have um, a voice that's important to share. And I, I think it's just so important to kind of um, build your circle up with people like that. But I definitely agree with what you said, like, and I really do think it's going to be a lifetime journey for me, and I think that's something everyone should strive to kind of keep, at least in the back of their mind, um, of you know, focusing on just, well, obviously appreciating the things that you already have, but then, um, you know, what are things that you can change for the better? What are things that you can work on? For me, I'm always working on being, like, less judgmental or or trying to be a little bit more kind or reach out a little bit more to people um, each day, and I just think that's something that everyone um, should remember, you know, no matter how far you've come, there's always... uh, stuff that you can continue to be working on just a, a better version of yourself out there waiting yeah, right I think so um and just the the want of that is powerful in itself um even if you know there maybe today isn't the best version of me but a mindset of like i want to show up as my best version if i can and the yeah. push forward of that i think is uh super important you you said and i just wanted to highlight you know the people that surround you like how powerful that is and a testament to the maturity of those people that they're celebrating the uniqueness inside of you and that's what a true friend is, right? Like, yeah. it, and, and if you find those people, hold on to them for dear life because mm-hmm. uh, they're special. And uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time and we're still asking this question. And, and, you know, I value your parents that I can include them in that circle of, you know, we're always asking like the people that we're surrounding ourselves with and, and do they support who we are and, and love who we are. And mm-hmm. um, that, that's a powerful thing, I think, to finding your voice is having people who elevate it. Yeah, and I think that it's a lot more worthwhile to have just a handful of friends um, who really, really care about you and support you than it is to just have a room full of people who, you know, are friendly acquaintances towards you. And that's been really hard for me. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it feels like the, you know, the, the social media mentality, you know, like more is better and you want likes and, and, and yeah. but but not really, right? Like no. there's no way to legitimize that or to, or to you know, filter through like who actual friends are or not yeah exactly right um and I think that's something especially for middle school students to try and figure that out now because I know that when I was in middle school um having a million friends was the most important thing to me and I just wanted to feel like um that everyone liked me and and I was lucky that a good amount of people did (laughs) so I was able to kind of hold on to that like facade 
but um, going away for, what was it, a year and a half, really kind of showed me um, the flaws in that thinking. So I'm grateful that I've come out on the other side. Um, and, and not that, you know, and, and you're not saying this, I just wanted to clarify, but yeah, it's, it's great to have a lot of friends, but there's a difference mm-hmm. between like social friends and having friends and being social with people and getting to know people and, and, and having like a, a, a really true, you know, deep friendship with someone. Um, yeah. Those, those are different things. And I think um, there's room for both, of course. hundred um, percent. And I definitely think that you should try and build at least a, a surface and friendly relationship with everyone um, just because I think it can mean a lot to people even just to have like a smile going down the hallway. But um, it's, that, that could be the thing that, that they needed that day, right? Yes, that's yeah, so important for, sure. for me. Yeah, um, yeah I, I really try and focus on that in my day-to-day life. Well, you you brought it up, so let's transition there. Um, We'll stay in seventh grade for a minute, but I promise we'll get more current. But so in seventh grade, uh, at the end of that year, which I mentioned earlier, um, you told me that you were taking the next year off and that your family was going to be traveling in a motorhome for a year. Um, And so I think about, you know, you just uh, and you just described it, which is exactly what I would think would be going through your mind, you know, as a middle schooler, you think. It, and, and developmentally, it's completely appropriate that, so, you know, socialization and friendships are everything. And so I can only imagine that that was that was a pretty scary prospect. And so I'm wondering if you can tell me some of the thoughts that you were having, um, some of the fears you were thinking about as you were exiting and, le- and leaving, you know, everything that you knew and were comfortable with for a year. Um, and then looking back on that now with, you know, a perspective of a junior in high school, um, what were some of the things that you learned and experienced and, and that maybe you, you, you were wrong or maybe you were right and, you know, w- maybe that you even experienced that you could have never had access to if you would have stayed uh, in Granville, mm-hmm. uh, Ohio for, for a ninth grade year. Yeah, so I definitely think that's full of a lot of little questions. Um, but I guess I'll start by saying that I was absolutely opposed to the idea. I was terrified. I also didn't have a phone, so I had no way of keeping in contact with friends. Um, I was scared that nobody was going to remember me or be excited when I came back. I, I've never liked change. I've, we've moved so many times that I like. whenever I get any sense of stability, I just hold on to it. So why would I want to pick up and move into a moving house and drive all across the country? And, you know, especially as a 12-year-old, mm. Uh, it, it would take a lot of maturity to see the value in it, and I tried <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, as best I could at that time. Um, but, yeah, I definitely was scared. But I think that I made a lot of really cool memories along the way. I don't actually really remember what I learned um, school-wise, but I know we did a lot of um, interesting lessons, even when we went to, like, the Grand Canyon and learned about, kind of some of the physical science behind that, which was really interesting. It's cool to have like a textbook right in front of you. Mm. That was something that I really appreciated. But um, I, I, I love that you distinguished like I don't remember what I learned school wise, but I <laughs> but I learned all these really cool things, which it, it, it's such a bummer that there is this separation of like school learning and then like real learning that happens because it's mm-hmm. it's not tactile it's not real world the best that we try to make it here it, it it's 
it's it's an abstract that we're in a classroom and trying to talk about these real world things without actually going out and experiencing the real world things which mm-hmm. you know you were actually you know at the grand canyon looking at you know real earth and yeah, physical like science Frizzle, the yeah school bus. yeah if we could just get in a school bus and I laughed because um, I got my van license and like because I wanted oh, to be wow. able to take people from, you know, whether it's the experiential learner class or the media class. I want to be able to like drive somewhere with students to go actually see yeah. things because um, I think so much learning actually happens outside of the school. So sorry, mm-hmm. keep going. I, I just no, I love okay. to distinguish between or that you distinguish between those two things, because I'm sure there was still some trying to like textbook learning. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. while you were on the road. Yeah, no, there definitely was. And I am um, kind of not the best at uh, distinguishing my, well, actually, or of trying to integrate them, I guess I should have said, um, because, like, for me, when I leave the classroom, my school goes out of my head. It's like a temporary. I need it again. Yeah, and I'm terrible at that. I've had a lot of success academically, but I'm not the kind of person that's really just interested. That's so interesting. So do you think it, do you think when you say that, do you think it like it leaves and then as in it was just a, it was just there temporarily and you have to, you have to like access it and learn it again or, or it's just not something that's in the front of your mind. It's still there and you can recall it. Um, Yeah, definitely the second option. Okay. Um, You know, when it comes to a test, it's there. But I just don't really take interest in it such that I'm leaving and, and pondering it or thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm really grateful to be able to say because I know that for a lot of people, it really does take a lot of studying and a lot of um, recollection. But no, definitely. Well, I, I'm sure it's even it's even worse for some students in that you, you have you have the ability to like learn it uh, for an academic situation, but it, it sounds like it doesn't totally have like authentic real world like connection or application. Like it's not, you know, leaving you curious and pondering for the rest no. of the day. You know what? One time I was coming home and I opened the door to my house and shut it and was thinking about like if it was traveling at a constant velocity. But I think that that's about the most that I really apply things. I, I mean, no, I'm but interested. but that's it, right? Like if you, yeah. but but having that concrete anchor to a to a concept, like if you could, if you if you could have related, if whenever that term was related, yeah, that could have like been, you know, applied to it, it would it would have like relevance to it that it wouldn't yeah. um, as as it's just a concept. I, I yeah. similarly, I, my my oldest son who's eleven now, but he, I mean, this was he was probably like six or seven. Um, and he was, he was like helping me rake leaves on the side of, of Pearl street. And, mm-hmm. and he was, he stopped raking and he was looking up. This just reminds me of this, this may be off topic, but I, I think no. it's related <laughs> to what you're saying in this, this like authentic kind of learning situation. And he was raking leaves and he like looked off and, and he stopped raking. I'm like, Hey man, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I was just pondering the theory of relativity. And, and I thought he was oh. just like, I, that's what I was. I was like, what? Like, what do you, what do you mean? And I thought he was just pulling my leg and he was like, well, we were really close to the streets like these cars are going by super fast but then i was looking up at that airplane and it's like actually moving really slow but if you were on the airplane it would actually it's it's moving way faster than these cars are it's just because we're so close to them so it's all relative to your position and where you're at and i was like oh okay never mind keep keep raking the leaves yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, you know he but it was he was able to like apply it out in a real world kind of scenario that like um 
so yeah, I, I as a as, a, as an educator, I'm, I actually spent today at a conference trying to talk about that, like you know, engaging learners in a more profound way and and mm-hmm. making the learning more authentic, which is it's hard in a classroom sometimes. I can't even imagine yeah. how it would be for yeah. a teacher. Yeah, um, and I I just think it's interesting that I'm only really starting to actually apply things this year that, well, I'm in IAP, which is um, advanced physics, and I've never taken any sort of physics class before, but you just start to think, like, we just learned about, um, well, right now we're learning about forces, I guess, and we just learned, like, the reason why when you go over a hill in a car or a roller coaster why your stomach drops out from under you, and it's because um, the force of gravity is making the car almost weightless, so it does feel like you're kind of rising above it, or something very similar to that. But, and I just thought that was so interesting. Like, mm. the next time I was going over a hill fast, I was just thinking about it. Yeah. So I really appreciate a teacher that can kind of use real life examples in the classroom. Isn't and it that, it's what it's all about, right? It's like yeah. the learning that helps us understand the world that we live in and our place in it. Like, yeah. that's pretty profound. And that's something I really identify with. Um, I, IAP is definitely a hard class for me and, and most of the other people taking it. But um, I definitely have appreciated that even just learning about forces is so applicable to everything um, that I do. Do you, do you, you, you said it was a hard class. So do you, do you, like as a student and just a genuine curiosity question for me, like, do you expect it to be hard or, or is there this like, oh, it's, it's too hard or, you know, you know, like, cause I want, I, I like in my, my teacher uh, brain, which is, is, is probably not real. I want to think that like students are like, oh, this is so hard, but that means I'm like being pushed and I'm learning something. Or is it more the like, oh, this is so hard and I, I don't have time for that, or it's it's you know consuming too much, or you know, is it a balance, or I don't know. What's, yeah, what the... I definitely think it would depend on who you ask. But if you asked me, like you just did, yeah. um, I definitely just think that it's just forces me to think, mm-hmm. um, and I really went into it just. You know, I just knew that if I applied myself, I can figure it out and pass it. And my biggest thing, too, is whenever I I try and tackle, like, a harder science or math class, I always tell myself if it really gets that bad, you can get a tutor Mm. or ask, like, take the time and ask my parents to help me. I've never gotten to that (laughs) stage yet, but I do appreciate a class that kind of just makes me think a little bit more. I I love the fact that you, I mean, just this idea that, if it gets hard, there's just resources out there that'll help me learn it. Like that, mm-hmm. that seems like so simple, but I think <laughs> some people avoid doing things because they think it's going to be hard. And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't run away from that. Like run towards it. And if it gets overwhelming, like there, there are resources out there that can help you deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, and that's something that I've been hearing kind of my whole life, something I'm really grateful for from both my parents. Like and so I genuinely feel, I think this goes back to the confidence part, that there's nothing that's out there that if I applied myself, I wouldn't be able to achieve it, at least to some degree. So IAP is a class that has been said to be really hard. It is fairly difficult for me to kind of wrap my mind around the concept sometimes. But I just genuinely believe in my heart that I'm going to be able to achieve success through it if I really... Um, apply myself so yeah I just kind of take it as 
as a little bit more of a challenge and something that's more of interest. Yeah, so we, we talked about this today at this conference I was at, but school is really set up so much as a deficit situation. Like, you know, a lot of the feedback that you get is on what you've done wrong. And mm-hmm. so I think it sets up this mentality of, of fear inside of students, like that I'm not supposed to fail on things or I'm not supposed to not understand because when I do, I get a bad grade. And that's mm-hmm. that's literally a lot of the feedback, like the entire grading system that we set up, like imagine asking another adult to come into a work situation every day and the only feedback that they would ever get is when they do something wrong yeah. and, and expect <laughs> them to show up every day and feel really good about it. Like, like that would be impossible to do. And it's kind of what we ask a lot of students to do every single day, show up, do the work and the input and feedback you're going to get typically is going to be, if you did something wrong, it's going to feel like, Oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. Yet we then preach this message about like embrace failure, like take risks. But but <laughs> yeah. when you do that and you actually do fail, it, it has this really negative impact and, and on a GPA and on your grade and the feedback that you get mm-hmm. and how you feel about yourself. And so um, I, I, I think that's something that as educators and education system, we're going to have to address and do better at. Um, and I like that you can just embrace that and go like, I'm, it's really hard. I'm going to do it. And if I hit a wall, I'm going to reach out for help and and know that you can. Um, and I really hope so. I like that you said that. Um, I think that that's definitely something that it's good to hear, hear a teacher say that they, um, are aware of, because I think that is hard for a lot of people and myself included. I mean, nobody likes to hear when you've messed something up or you haven't done something correctly. Um, or even when, like, I answer a question in class and I answer it wrong, if I answer, like, if that happens to me, like, multiple times in a class, I sometimes get discouraged, I think, as anyone would. But, I mean, you really just have to think about it, like, well, first of all, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, second of all, there's always um, room to improve and, uh, I guess I should say try and look for the good things. I'm not that good at that. Yeah, but that's something hard. that I like to. It's <laughs> another think one of those about. the deliberate everyday things that you know I have to constantly tell myself as an adult. Like I have to constantly remind myself to like try to find the good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that's possible, and sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's hard. Yeah. But it's just the mindset and willingness to say that I'm going to do that every single day that I think has a pretty powerful net effect in the end. Um, um, and another thing, again, like you said, with taking risks, I think that that's really important um, when it comes to your education. But second of all, even when it comes to just like applying for things or trying to get into programs, I think that that is such an important thing to learn um, from an early age that it's okay to fail at something. And that's something that I never would have thought I'd be able to sit here and say that I'm a little bit past that, really. But um, in the past couple years, I've applied to so many different, I don't know, councils and officer positions and clubs. And even, like, I I would say my biggest example of that is with cheer um, because when I was a freshman, I decided I wanted to cheer. um, And I went and I tried out and I didn't make the team. And then I was so embarrassed and upset about that for whatever reason, that um, when my sophomore year rolled around, I was like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do this. It just wasn't for me, and how embarrassing. I'm sure these girls all think poorly of me. But then when it came to last uh, probably December, I just thought to myself, you know, this is something that I've 
really, really wanted to achieve. And I still, despite saying, oh, I don't care about it, I don't want to do it, went to all the football games and had, did not have my eyes on the game whatsoever because I just watched the cheerleaders and I was so passionate about it. Um, and I tried out in May and I made varsity. Um, and I'm re- that's something I'm really proud of and grateful for, but I just think that goes to show more than anything that it's like the answer is always going to be no if you don't try. Yeah, and it's going to be no. It's going to be 100%. Like it's going to be no because you didn't even – give the opportunity for a yes yeah, you didn't even let them yeah yeah and the willingness to let it be no until it turns into a yes like just keep showing up yeah um definitely. you know shout out portrait of a graduate but it's that <laughs> resiliency piece right like yeah. um it and 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 it's everything like the willingness and it, it's it's what i wish we could see more and a willingness in education to fail and fail and fail and see that is okay until you succeed that i don't mm-hmm. think students feel like it's okay where extracurriculars for whatever reason you know, like imagine even sports teams, basketball, football, like failure is a part of it. And, and they know that because, you know, it's a part of the growth moment. And, you you know, it, it just seems like a much more natural place that teaches that resiliency. And they've accepted that failure is a part of it. And that's how I get better. And I've, mm-hmm. I've yet as a teacher and I'm continually trying to think about how how do we ingrain that more in a school system and in a day? Um, and, and maybe it is the autonomy piece, because in athletics, in cheerleading, like that was your choice. Like you got to choose to be there and you got to choose to show back up if you wanted to. And that agency, that empowerment that has to play into it to a part where school isn't always an option, uh, so to speak, even though it's a gift, it's so hard because it's, it's also kind of required. Um, even though it's this beautiful package gift that will open up our opportunities, it doesn't always feel like that because you're required to be here yeah. um, but I will say when I have students for whatever reason and I've had several health conditions you know things that pop up in their life where they can't come to school for a year like it's it's no longer an option for them it it very quickly becomes clear to them of like oh my gosh like I, I want to get back to school so bad like I can't yeah, wait I do find that yeah definitely so and, and maybe you had a little taste of that when you left on your trip um, yeah I, a little bit I would yeah, say maybe definitely um, and you you talked about this for, for a little bit, but um, just the fact that you're in all, you know a lot of different things and um, you're a, a varsity cheerleader for football, you're a youth deacon at your church. Um, I got to see you guys singing in the church choir. That was amazing. Um, oh, yeah. Nice job for the candlelight walking tour. Um, and, there, and there were a lot of uh, Granville students up there. It was fun yeah, to see for sure. Yeah. Um, you're in the Spanish Honor Society. You do indoor and outdoor track. Is that right? Yeah, I'm actually the secretary. Spanish Honor Society. The, the Secretary for Spanish Honor <laughs> yeah. Society. Um, and you were the third in states in the triple jump. Is that right? And yeah. the triple jump, it's literally you run and then you take three jumps and go for distance. Is that a horrible yeah. description or is that? No, that's actually pretty good. You run and then you jump off of one leg onto that leg again. And then you switch onto your other foot and then you jump. As far as you can. And so the final the final jump is one leg? Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, just like long jump. Is. And what kind of distance um, is like, well, what, what was your third in state distance? Um, 36 feet and four inches. Wow, 36 feet. All right, cool. 
Um, yeah. So all those things you're juggling. I'm I'm curious, like, what kind of advice do you have for finding balance? And and you you said like you got to try things and say yes and show up for stuff and go for extracurriculars and mm-hmm. and and sometimes that can become overwhelming. And so how do you know when enough is enough and you have too much or I should stop trying to go find new things or what 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 have you found to be the balance for you and how do you how do you do that? Um, yeah, so I definitely think that that is important when it comes to stuff like that because there's no way that you can really apply yourself um, and just truly kind of take advantage of your passions and stuff like that if you are burnt out and, you know, on your last straw and Mm. you've done a million other things that day. So I definitely think that um, just kind of prioritizing what you're passionate about is important um, just to kind of start thinking about that early. But then I think that it varies from person to person um, how much they're capable of taking on. Like for me, I do like to keep a, a pretty busy schedule. But um, for example, when I was a freshman, um, when I was running track and then also in the play and I couldn't drive myself home, I would get to school at 7.30 and leave school at 10. But, but you yeah. said you liked it, though. Yeah. I did. Well, yeah. I thought I did until I became so burnt out that, I just realized I could never do that again. Hmm. So something that extreme was way too much for me. But now, how, how did you um, know? Like, what was your cue? Like that? Oh nope! I'm. I, this is too much. Like, what was it? Um, a feeling? Was it like stress? Was it? You know, I definitely think a lot of it was stress and anxiety. Hmm. Um, and just for me, I've kind of. Well, I don't know if we're supposed to talk about this on here, but I, I've definitely dealt with um, depression before, uh, and a lot of it started. COVID year, I think mm. that happened to so many people. Yeah, every, I mean, um, e- even adults and teachers and, you know, I think everyone felt that for sure. Yeah, yeah. but um, and varying degrees um, throughout my life. But anyway, but at that time, like when I get really stressed and anxious and I'm, I don't have kind of like walls and defenses built almost or I don't really have myself built up, like depression and just bad thoughts are really able to seep in and just kind of knock me down I guess is that something that you feel like you notice more or is that something that the people in your life that love you notice and bring like is it internal oh, like no it's, it's completely internal yeah so so you're able to f- to know like you felt that you you could sense like I'm not in a good place now like yeah, you could exactly recognize right. it um because I just was so tired that you just don't have energy to fight off thoughts like that I think that's really how it manifests for me Um, But, you know, if I've had a really good day and I've taken time to be with myself and um, just build myself up that day and I get a negative thought, it's easy to just brush it off. Yeah. But when you're tired and you're burnt out and maybe you haven't had such a good day or really just exhaustion, like I said, um, and a negative thought comes and then maybe you might be able to brush that one off. But then another one, like, it just gets harder, mm. I think. Um, it's such a good definition of, of depression. Like, that's the difference, and that's how you know, like, are, are you sad or, or are you depressed? And mm-hmm. it's it's the perpetualness of it, and it, it, yeah. it's elongated, and it feels like, man, I just, you know, I can't dig out of this feeling, and it's 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 going Repeated. on too long. Yeah, because yeah. it's everyone has spells of mm. sadness, really, mm-hmm. and that's not something to – be worried about and they're just normal emotions but when stuff like that starts to take over your life um 
really just have to get out of it as soon as you can. And yeah. I think And how do you, how do you do that? What's that look like? Is it was it an adjustment in your life? Is it reaching out to somebody you love or like what what is your protocol? Like how, when you start feeling like that, how do you what do you, how do you pivot? Um well, so something that I kind of came to terms of when I started going to therapy was that for me personally, like um to get out of a depressive spell is a choice. Mm. Um, and I, I like to think that that applies to other people, but I'm not sure. But for me, I had to actively choose to get up and do something that is good for my brain, get up and distract myself from whatever thought I'm having. Um, I would assume like even some of the things that stressed you out, if they're, if they're in moderation, like, you know, running or cheering or like those could be also the things that help pull you out exactly of that right. funk and I think that that's something that's important too is to find things that you know have that effect on you mm. and really just um make you happy while you're doing them and allow you to go to a different headspace but like I can't stress anything um more than it being such a choice for me to have to choose to pull myself out of the place that I was in it's such an em- um, empowering perspective and because you're in control of it like you know in you stating in that like I it's really your control that. yeah yeah and and it's really and um, I, I, and I and i just want to clarify i don't mean to like undermine or say like oh, no. this is not a message of like you know uh, pull up your bootstraps and just pull it together <laughs> like it's so easy it's not that for sure it's just this empowerment of saying like you know trying to empower people you and and you've done you know it sounds like you've got a good handle on this is that it has to become a deliberate choice to say i want to see the good perspective and i want to find the good and i'm gonna i'm gonna put the work in to make that happen yeah and i want better for myself and Mm -hmm. i deserve to be in a different place in this um and i think also again i don't know if you want this on your podcast but um my i was taking medication for it for a while that just made me feel like numb Mm. And um, that was just no benefit at all to me um, because in that I couldn't, like, I, I couldn't really get to as sad of places as I had been before, but I also couldn't get to be as happy mm. and joyful as I was before. So I was on that medication for a couple of months, and only when I got off of that um, was I able to kind of start to choose joy more in my life. Um, I, I love, I just want to, I love that you at like for both of those, like starting to talk about the SNS part, like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'm supposed to talk about this, but just the willingness to normalize like depression that it, it literally every single human being on the planet has felt depression and will at some point. And yeah. I feel like we do that a little bit. We're like, I'm not sure. Am I supposed to feel this? Am I supposed to talk about it? <laughs> and, and I feel like our society is doing a much better job now of normalizing it and being like, oh no this is just being a human being. Like we are going to feel a gamut of emotions and it sometimes it's going to hit a point where we don't know how to deal with all the emotions and we may yeah. need to, to reach out to somebody else to help us deal with those. And, mm-hmm. and some of that is just talking to somebody else, like literally yeah. saying it out loud in a room and, and that normalizes itself. And my, I mean, my golly, I felt more than my fair share of, of depression and, and been in states where it was just overwhelming and too much. And um, you know, my, my, my therapist now is my wife, right? Like there are moments and she, she can see it and know when I'm like, you know, keeping it all in. And she's like, you know, there's just, you're, you're not yourself. Like, you know, you're thinking about something's going on and, you know, I, I talk to her about it and, mm-hmm. and kind of hits that reset button. And there are times to your point where I have to like, I have to remove some things that are going, that are on my plate in my life because it's too yeah. much and I can't, 
you know, do all the things and cope. And um, so I, I, I love your willingness to bring that up and talk about it. And I, I think it's exactly what people need to hear and, and on our podcast and in our friend circles and that it's just normal and, it, it, you yeah. know, that we're all dealing with it. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing, too. I think that that should never um, hold shame for people. And I think that it definitely can. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm really just not ashamed of what I've been through. Obviously, I wish that it could have been different, especially when you hear that, like, it never actually goes away once you've really been kind of in the grasp of something like that. But um, I just kind of strive every day to, again, like you said, find the balance so that I am able to kind of have my mental guards up and be able to choose joy. Um, Sounds like you're in a a really good place with it. Just the fact that you can even articulate that, like, this is a choice that I'm making and I'm going to be in control of it. Um, And and just the the normalcy of human emotion. And, and, you know, it's kind of what living is all about. Like you you do feel depressed and you do feel elated in these really happy moments. And a lot of times we just live in the middle. But Mm -hmm. feeling that sadness sometimes is just like part of life. Like it Mm -hmm. happens. Um, Yeah. And, and again, not to normalize depression as in like, you should just deal with it and go on with it, but normalize that you're going to feel depressed and that's okay. And you should tell someone and and talk about it. And exactly. And and I personally think that you really should, I mean, everyone should be able to have at least one person in their life that they can talk to about it, regardless of the stage. I think depression is something that you don't have to get to this crazy point for it to be something that you deserve um, support when it comes mm-hmm. to, even if you're just having a sad spell or you're just disappointed about something, it may not be your day to day, but that's still something that's important, um, you know, for you to be able to talk through and, and feel supported through. And, and I do hope that there are adults in this school that um, are making themselves a safe space for kids to go to. I know that we've talked about that before um, in the high school, at least, and I'm sure you guys have here too. Mm-hmm. But, um, or your parents or friends, I guess. I don't know. At this age, I don't know if friends are the most. Yeah. And, and, but I guess if you can, if you have, and and again, it's that tight circle of friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like knowing who those friends are that you can trust with that kind of information. Um, for sure. And, but I do worry about that as a teacher too, because there's so much minutia. There's just movement and motion and the bells are ringing and people are going on and, um, you know, I never want a student to feel like I don't have time for them or that I don't care about them. Or, mm-hmm. um, I, I literally on the way to this podcast, um, someone was in the hallway and she just looked really sad. And I was like, are you okay? And, and she said, I'm, I'm kind of sad, but I, I don't think I want to talk about it. I think I would cry if I did. And so, you know, I just gave her a high five and I said, well, I'm happy to talk about it. And I want you to know that I just really care about you, even if you don't want to. And she said, I know. And I think, I thank you. Um, but, you know, those moments of like, gosh, I, I hope you hear that I'm here and that I would talk to you and that yeah. there are other people in the building. And, you know, we, we are teachers. And I think it's like you see us out on the street and you're like, oh, my gosh, teachers are real. Like they, they live outside of the classroom, too. <laughs> yeah. But it's like this reminder, like we're just human beings. Like I have kids of my own and I, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I would I would I would be a resource for anybody. And I, I think that's true of almost every staff member and to not confuse our busyness and our like trying to get things done and check boxes and and move through curriculum with like that we don't care about you or or wouldn't be there for you and that's something I really like about Granville and I think I've um 
learned more, you know, as I've gone through the school system. Like, I think that we do have people who are really passionate about our jobs, uh, their jobs, excuse me, as our teachers. Um, and I think that a lot of your coworkers are just really genuine people and that they really do care about their students. And, and I think that's refreshing to see. I love that you can um, see that because I, yeah, I, think, I think I agree. So. Yeah, definitely. But and another thing I just really think, like you said, like it's really important um, to be able to move through your life like in such a way that people would feel um, comfortable being around you or maybe people would feel comfortable going to you with things. I always hope that people feel that way about me, but that's something that's just really, really important for me in my day-to-day life is to be able to go down the hall and, like, say hi to as many people as you can, you know, and just establish personal connections with people because you never know what somebody's going through, but um, I think it can be really helpful just to feel that somebody at school, like, acknowledges them. Um, And especially being an older athlete, that's something that I've been drilling down on for myself Mm. um, these past couple seasons as an upperclassman, just really building connections with um, younger people and just letting them know that uh, you're glad to see them there, you know, or they are welcome on the team, they're an important member um, of sports society. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, for sure. But yeah, so I really like to try and do that, just kind of establish a personal relationship with people because I think that that is so um, important and and that's something I used to Yeah, it's quoted quoted probably more, you know, so much that, you know, I don't know if it, I I hope it doesn't lose its impact because I think it's so powerful that the idea that everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about, you know? Yes, yeah. And and you you genuinely get to be a force. Like you you are a presence in people's lives when you come into contact. And so you get to choose, like, do I want to be a positive influence or a negative one? And like, I I never would understand, like, why, why wouldn't you choose to be a positive one? Like, why not smile at somebody or say hi or... Um, you know, again, back to our very first conversation, like you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but yeah. you could be the person that they just needed to hear a positive comment from. And, and it could, and you will never know that that comment hit the, and landed the way that it did good or yeah. bad. But you know, that good comment could be the thing that, you know, they needed to hear and brighten their day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you might never know, you might never hear like feedback from somebody saying, Hey, I, I really needed to hear that. But that's really not what it's about. It's just, you know, the possibility that that could really brighten someone's day. It's our whole um, PBIS thing. And I don't know if it's landing the way that I hope it is. I, I write all <laughs> kinds of shout outs to students and, and I try to be incredibly, you know, genuine on them of mm-hmm. like what, what they're doing and that I'm super proud of it. And, yeah. um, you know, at the onset of it, we were kind of like, uh, I'm not sure, you know, like um, because the idea is that you, you curb behavior with like positive things you tell them like the good things but mm-hmm. I genuinely just feel really good about having this outlet of being able to pause and slow down in the moment to go like man that was really cool that you did that and it, it's shifted my mindset of looking for those things that maybe would have just been considered normal um, and I'll tell you as a teacher like when I get that email from a parent that says thank you it's it's every I mean it's just like oh thank goodness yeah. it's you know in the in the the noise like this thing comes in and it, it literally brightens up my my day and yeah. so 
um, I'm sure students feel that exact same thing, yeah, I hope. Yeah, I think so, too. I really like that we're doing that system at my school. I like that they're – and I, I don't know if they're doing it at the high school. Uh, so are, now yeah. students can shout out other students when they see them doing the same portrait of a graduate at the at the middle school, which I like, like the recognition Probably. in each other. Yeah, yeah, I think that can sometimes be even more important yeah. to hear it from peers. Peers, but, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so so let's shift gears a little bit. Um, okay. I didn't I didn't know this. Uh, uh, your mom told me about it, which I was like, that's amazing. Um, and and I say this be- because like I, I feel like having jobs and working, it's just this like foundational thing that you know it really sort of it, it's formative in someone's life. And I I've had a job I I would say probably since I was fourteen, um, mm-hmm. and that was my first job was working at my my the, the company that my dad. Um, uh, ran, but, um, I then I've always had a job, uh, at some, in some capacity. And so, um, your mom told me that you're working at Coos Mall. And so I find that rare these days. Like, I don't know that a lot of high schoolers have jobs. My, my nephew just got his first job ever as a junior in college. And what? yeah, and I'm just thinking like, uh, he's about <laughs> to graduate from college and he's going to go out in the world for his first real-time job. And he's never, he's ever worked for anybody or had feedback. And so I love yeah. the fact that you are working right now and especially you're juggling all the things. And so that's another, and so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why, like what was your motivation to get a job? Um, and what kind of things do you learn there that you potentially wouldn't have if you didn't have that opportunity? Um, so basically my motivation to get a job was that I had to because my mom told me I had to. Um, but it went beyond that. I just did you in the in that moment was that like an eye roll moment or did, or or were you kind of like yeah okay I, sh- I I can do this or I probably should do this or um not really the only eye roll moment was that she really wanted me to get a job over the summer mm. and I was not interested in going door to door and asking people if they were hiring because mm. I was embarrassed but I did want to get a job um just for myself I've always liked to be independent and. And I almost think of it as, like, trying on different things that I'm going to have to um, take on when I'm older. Yeah. Um, so, so did you go door to door? Like, how did you find yeah, the job? Yeah, I actually did. Okay. Um, she was it me... as bad as you thought? No. 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 Yeah. It's never as bad as you think. Which, and, and isn't that part of it? Like, you now have this life experience under your belt of, like, oh, yeah, that wasn't that bad. Where mm-hmm. where my nephew might still be thi- – he still might – you know, he's going to have to apply for his real job and now with an a degree. And an interview, and he, he, you know, he hasn't had to have those conversations yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, what an opportunity. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, But so I emailed, well, I work at Kuzmal, and I actually emailed um, the woman who runs it because that's what the worker told me to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, she got back to me a couple months later, really, it was, and said that she had an opening and could I come in for an interview? and I was a little bit scared because I was just 15 at the time. Um, but I went in, and it went great. She was super nice, and I got trained. And, yeah, now I work by myself on Sundays for uh, awesome. four-hour shifts. So, obviously, um, I probably should be getting some practice in of working longer shifts, which is what I hope to do um, this summer. I'll work probably at a, a hospital or a nursing home or something like that. But, mm. um yeah, I really am grateful for my experience with having a job. I think it's taught me, you know, well, I obviously knew how to get places on time, but the importance of that because uh, the store has to open at 12. So I love that you're there, there by yourself. I mean, the yeah. like that has to be empowering in itself of, of another adult who 
has built something, right? It's this is their business. This is their livelihood. It's something they they are they care a, a lot about. Mm-hmm. They're trusting you with it. Like they're giving you the keys to the castle, so to speak. Yeah. And to, so to um do uh, purchases mm-hmm. and returns, right? And take packages in and inventory and all kinds of stuff like that. That was crazy. Again, well, and I still am just sixteen. I don't know why I'm saying it like this, but. Um, when I look back, like 14 to 15, it seemed like so long ago. Um, and but, it, but it is, uh, you know, because you've gone through things, it, it, it does seem like a lifetime ago because you probably think of yourself then. You were afraid to go in and, and literally ask for a job, and now you're, you're running the store. Like, I mean, you're, you know, you're running. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Like you were much. nervous to walk in and ask, and now you're the only person that's in there. Yeah. Someone could literally come in and ask you, I'm looking for a job. How do yeah, I go about doing that? a couple times right? with people asking, like, if we're hiring. It's weird. It's like a full circle moment. That's pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I think that that um, has been a really good, again, like you said, empowering um, experience for me. And it just, it's really kind of exciting, too, if, like, um, a friend or somebody that I know comes in um, and I, I get to see them. Kind of in my element, as mm. I would say. <laughs> and I, I, I love. I just uh, I want to reiterate that your description of it, it, it. You know, it's like trying something on. Um, you know, mm-hmm. trying on a pair of shoes to see if you like the way that they feel. Gosh, I hope you try on lots of, lots of different jobs. Like I want yeah. that for for people, for for my listeners, for my students. Um, try it all out, and even if it's something you don't, you know, like I don't see this maybe as a career. You at least know what that's like. You have that perspective, and so when you it's like food service, anything you interact for the rest of your life, you'll know what that's like. You'll know mm-hmm. what it's like to work retail, even if you don't ever work yeah. retail again as someone who is a consumer and might go into a store. Well, and I think that's exactly right. And another thing is that, well, I don't know how this is going to come off, but I go have for it. A, <laughs> a vision for myself of not just being a retail worker. Yeah. Or a food service worker and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. but just that's not what I find doesn't to fit. be my calling definitely right? doesn't fit and that's okay but who's to say I wouldn't be a manager mm-hmm. of or like, own a business yeah or yeah. or own a business um, and I really think you get into kind of muddy water when you are managing someone whose shoes you have never been in hundred percent I'm, I'm so glad you went so. there and I, I think I think that I think that comes off exactly how you would want it okay. um, you, because you have aspirations for something right you have ambition to you know maybe you want to be a manager maybe you want to own your own business and your your ability to see how important it would be to man if you're gonna ever manage people that you understand what it's like to be a managed person right mm-hmm. um, exactly that that's that's incredibly powerful perspective yeah. for sure well and you just have to be empathetic towards people. Um, and I would even another portrait of a graduate trait. Shout out, shout out, yes. empathetic. Good work. Um, Way to work that in there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, but another thing, like with um, seeking employment as an STNA, I hope that that will give me a little bit of experience, like in a hospital nursing home setting, because as a, the CNA or an STNA, you really are like the bottom of the um, food chain you know you have to do all the dirty work that no one else wants to do and so so yeah I want to I want to reiterate and then I want to jump to this since we're going there that's my next question actually Mm -hmm. um I I loved on the last that 
it was hard and it was something you were scared to do and you did it. And Mm -hmm. as a parent, I put my kids, I literally put them in situations where I know they're going to be told no because I want them to feel that. I want them to know what that feels like and for it to become normalized so that it doesn't prevent them from ever trying to do something again. And so Mm -hmm. like we'll go to a swap meet and I will literally give them I'll give them money and I'll, or it's their own money and I'll go, they'll go make like ridiculously low offers on things so that the person is almost a little offended by what they offered and that, and they'll say, no, like I can't go that low because I want them to feel what it feels like to be told no. And that like in a safe environment. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's okay. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. Right. Like you're no worse for wear. And sometimes yeah. the people say yes. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe Sweet. that worked. Right. It's yeah. like, yeah, you wouldn't know unless you ask. And so don't let fear prevent you from doing things. Yeah. And that, so I love that you did that. It's perfect. I think it's, it's, and I think it's probably a large reason why your mom was like, I want you to go get a job so you could <laughs> feel that. So, yeah. And then all the other other amazing things that you just mentioned. Um, so STNA, yeah. So uh, back me up a, a minute and, and mm-hmm. tell me what, like, what is an STNA and like, how did that come about? Because I'm, I'm amazed. That's my next question for you is like, <laughs> wait, how, how did you become an STNA as a junior in high school? <laughs> well, um, that's amazing. Yeah, um, that actually is a pretty long story, but I'll try and shorten it a little bit. So I took sports med my sophomore year, and I made friends with a girl who was working um, unregistered, but Middleton doesn't um, require a registry, and she was working, um, and she made 15 an hour, and she basically just was caring for um, nursing home residents, and but not caring for in the sense of giving them medications or anything like that, just uh, feeding them, bathing them, and just their really, like, basic needs, taking mm-hmm. care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had all kinds of crazy stories, as I'm sure you could um, <laughs> gather. Um, but I don't know, something about that, I was just really inspired by it. Um, first of all, because she didn't need a degree to work there, I thought, well, that's crazy, they would accept somebody my age. Um, and that sounds like a big adult job, yeah. another one that I could try on, um, because I, I think I want to work. Well, right now I, I want to become an anesthesiologist and I want to work in a hospital setting. So I figured, you know, why not go and try that on and see how I like it? Um, and I mean, th- that is so powerful because there are so many people that, go into college and think they want to do something and then they get there and they're like oh wait a minute this isn't what I thought it was at all like I Mm -hmm. so I love that's a total progression right like that would at least give you a taste for what it's like to be in a medical field and interacting with patients or nursing home you know it it will give you a very good stepping stone to see if like maybe that is something I would like or maybe that's not something I would like yeah that's one of my biggest fears too is wasting time and money on something that I end up not liking. So I definitely try and kind of screen stuff like that to make sure, um, you know, if I'm going to college, like looking to go down a med school path, is that what I want for my career? Um, So anyway, um, I applied to Middleton. Well, I didn't quite apply, but I looked, actually, I think I did, and I didn't get a response. So then I thought, well, the only other place that I could apply to is Otterbein. Um, But to work at Otterbein, you have to have 
an SCNA certification. Does Otterbein have like a like a, a nursing home like at? Oh yeah, sorry, the Otterbein nursing home. They have. The, it's, it's is it affiliated Kendall with the university? Be. Oh, it's here. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking Otterbein University. No, that's okay. You're saying Otterbein that used to be Kendall. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, that was a good thing to clear up. <laughs> I didn't know they changed the name. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, strangely. But anyway, um, and actually, at the time, my boyfriend worked there uh, as a groundskeeper. So my first job after my dad's, which I, you know, I, I was really young there, but my first real job was also in a nursing home. But it was I was a server. Oh, okay. They had like a restaurant dining area that oh, yeah, they, the, they could that they could come too. and, yeah. and you know, uh, it was like a fixed menu, but they could at least come in a dining area and eat. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my, my first job. Was <laughs> yeah, well, I actually thought about applying to be that, too. But I just figured like I, I want to be like actually doing something yeah that's and related to to something that you want to do no totally though yeah um and so i found out from a friend um ava miller who had become an stna shout out ava miller yeah exactly (laughs) um and so i went online to where she said she got hers typically to get an stna certification it's like a couple of months of going a few times a week but I found a program that was every day for two weeks, mm. and then clinicals right after, like all day, every day for two weeks, and then your again clinical times right after that. Did you do this during the summer? Yeah. Okay. So I carved out my two weeks. This is such a shift because you didn't want to give up your summer for your first. I know. Right, yeah. but now well, you're like, I'm gonna use I my summer. Wait to. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, um, as soon as I could, as soon as I got out of school, I, I selected my two weeks, and I just signed myself up. Um, and again, like, I I feel like something that could have held me back from doing that was thinking like, oh, well, this is for adults. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to complete this. I, but I wasn't scared at all because I figured like, well, I'm just going to get through it somehow. You know, my dad was a battlefield medic, so mm-hmm. he could probably help me yep. if he needed to. Um, but anyway. That seems like so. a recurring theme, though, that I hear from you is, is, is you understand very clearly that like, hey, if I hit a roadblock or a wall, there are resources and people out there that can help me, yeah. right? Which which is mm-hmm. it's that's like I don't want to undermine that because that's super profound. That oh, I don't think you. all people uh, like I don't think all p- people function with that as as part of their capacity. That like, oh yeah, things will get hard, and I can reach out to people when I hit that that roadblock. So that's cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I try and keep because I think I would be held back from doing so many things if I. Well, and I, and I bet if way. you hadn't done Kuzmal, like this probably would have been too intimidating, perhaps. Like, I mean, these yeah. like stepping stone experiences are, I think, so profound. Like that path. No, I think so too. Um, definitely. So I didn't have my license either. And I was like, oh my gosh, mom, like you've got to get me scheduled for my test before um, June because I have to go off to this thing, which is in the middle of Columbus. Um, and so. Anyway, so I ended up getting my license May 24th, um, which I was very grateful for. That opened a million doors for me. So did you drive down there every day for the training? Yeah. Yeah. So well, I woke I mean, up. Because you didn't have your license very long. Like, that's a, no. that's a big drive. I woke up at 530 and put on my navy blue scrubs that yeah. I purchased. And I packed my little lunch and my coffee and my big, like. So adult adult like looking bag that I have my handbag full of all my little things and I got my keys and got my new car that I had driven probably two weeks 
and drove myself um, 45 minutes away to Columbus. So hopefully. Do you think you'll start this summer and then try to continue on a couple days a week throughout the school year, or do you see it as just a summer Um, I definitely endeavor? think so, because as a senior, I'm hoping to not have to be at school the whole day. Yeah, and they have some, so. like, uh, I'm trying drawing a blank on the name of but it's like a, a work experience program, right, where you can, for yeah, part of the day, go work and get credits. For, and I would really like to do that, I think, yeah. um, you know, depending on how much I like it, but... Anyway, I just, I feel like I gained so much from that experience. I'm going back there in my mind right now. Like, I was really scared. I, mm. I was newly 16, had this little new car that I barely knew how to drive. Um, and I was going so far, and I was driving during rush hour, too. So yeah. I was, you know, terrified. And I was the youngest person in my class. Like, the person closest in age to me was... 24 um but yeah somehow I um made it work and I love that the progression of life is is moving the needle like constantly moving the progressing the needle forward of like what's scary and new and yeah every time you do something new big and scary the you know you can look backwards and be like oh yeah I've got this and then the next time you do something like that it's not going to be as scary but there'll be some other new scary thing that you get to like overcome and that's kind of what it's what it's like. That's no, what living is. Yeah, right? I, I think that's so true. And I think that's such a beautiful and exciting thing, too, especially with this time in my life. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you've got a lot of that ahead yeah. of you, right? And I remember even, like, when I, <laughs> I would leave during my little, like, lunch breaks and drive myself to McDonald's and come back, which I never ate McDonald's. Yeah, but even that had to feel exciting because it, it was, was so exciting. It was, like, oh, my goodness. Like, you don't even know how exciting. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm coming back to my adult class. And yeah. Um, yeah, I never eat McDonald's, by the way. Um, I just want to get that out there. <laughs> but I was but treating myself because... Yeah. Well, it was a cheat day. Yeah, and it was close. So And it was $5. <laughs> but anyway. You don't want to spend all the new money you're going to oh, be no, making. I'm sure, in the future. But um, also, another thing that was crazy was clinicals, where you go into an actual nursing home mm. and do the actual skills. Yeah. And these skills with, are with like people, real yeah. human beings, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, you yeah. don't know how scary that was. Yeah. Real people, you have to like shower them. Yep. Um, and they're and them. they're 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 in their most vulnerable position oh and state, gosh. right? Like, and so yeah. so even that is a um, heartbreaking. heartbreaking, but also empowering. Like you know. You're, you got to go and provide a service to somebody who, who genuinely needed it, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that is the empathy, that is the caring about other people. Um, yeah. It's pretty powerful. And I think that that's something that became more of a motivation for me to continue on with that um, once I really did start to think to myself, like, wow, this could, these people could easily get stuck with someone who mm. – doesn't really give the time of day mm-hmm. about them and it's just there for the money and how sad would that be there's this there's this connection in my brain right now though of your you know a student anybody's willingness like walking down the hall like giving like providing a smile for someone like you get to be that light in someone's life and mm-hmm. and the same with that like right like you get to walk into this person's um space in life and and be the light that day that helps them you know be the best version of themselves that they can be and i think it becomes this barometer too of and i and i do this with my own life you know when you take care of other people you get to go like you know what the thing that i was worried about today isn't that bad or you know you you have this like it, it gives you a reality check a little bit of like 
you know what, actually today was a pretty good day. And, mm-hmm. and what I'm living through right now is actually pretty, pretty great. Yeah. And I, I think so too. And this also might come just from growing up religious and well, still being to this day. But um, I just think that like genuinely we're put on this earth to be a light for other people. Like mm-hmm. you, I think you said it perfectly. Um, that's my purpose in life. I, I truly think that that's every humans um reason to be here and i think that nothing can bring you more fulfillment than truly just um living in the pursuit of that and so i think that like when i have little opportunities um you know like i am having hopefully will have with this job that's just really meaningful for me and it it just gives me a lot of sense of fulfillment i've hope hope that's been kind of a common theme in my answers but that's just uh, really important to me. Um, yeah, I, to I genuinely, I think everyone's on the planet. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I have my gifted and talented license, right? Like so, I can <laughs> teach gifted. But I, I yeah. it, my core, I believe that everyone's gifted, right? It's just about finding like what is it that you're gifted at? Like why were you put on the planet? Like you're here to be a force in some way and to do something great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm nervous that school doesn't always elevate that in all students because it's yeah. it's often so content driven and content that whatever the content area might be it might not be your thing like it might not be the reason that you're here um and so you know i have changed like i when i tell people what i do it's like i'm not a teacher i'm a developer of human potential like everyone has potential and it's Mm -hmm. really all of our jobs just to help them realize that whatever it is um i definitely agree with you too yeah and i think that's a really important perspective to have as an educator um yeah because i think school doesn't always like focus on that necessarily but. you could get lost in why we're here be like oh it's it's about <laughs> yeah. you know science it's about social it's not like it's really about like creating human beings to go out in the world and be a force and mm-hmm. I, I i and i love this and all of your answers and the, the things that you've accomplished in, in that you. you don't have to wait till you graduate from high school to be a change maker in the world like yeah. i want everyone to hear that message like there you don't need a college degree um you know in this this job that you're going to take on like you're going to be a change maker and and be a force in doing real thing uh right now and so you know start now like we need all you know human beings working uh making the world a better place and so the idea of yeah. students sitting waiting like that they need some green light or some permission to go do great things in the world um you know makes me sad like here yeah. that go now go do it you, you, i know if, yeah. if people take any other message from me from today that would be my biggest thing i really do think that like it's never too early to start going after what you're passionate about or helping other people or just developing yourself into the person that you want to become. And I definitely think I was one of those students sitting and waiting, like, okay, when's it time to go? Because for me, I was always programmed to kind of, to start, like, building up my resume for college, mm. you know, and what things have you accomplished for college. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and but I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't think it can be the thing. Like, you know, a capital T-H. No, T-H-E. absolutely not. You and know, like, I, I, I feel like we do a bad job sometimes of selling that message to kids that high school is a preparatory place for college. And it's like, that seems like a swing and a miss for me that it's it's not. It's just a preparatory space for life. And, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you can start that process now. But but I, I'm glad that you, and I keep going, sorry, but no, made that shift in your mindset of like, you know, not necessarily preparing for college because mm-hmm. that's just another thing. Like I, you're, you're already making steps preparing for your life and like positioning yourself to like experience the world so that you yeah. 
yeah. to make good decisions. No, and that's there. something I think even like having my mindset shift from, oh gosh, to just have to figure out what I'm going to do to get into college and how I'm going to pad my resume or whatever. But realizing it's, it's so like, disingenuous, right? Yeah, like it's not I real. I know. And it makes it another like arduous mm-hmm. task that mm-hmm. you don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's a connectivity to all that, too, that when you start just living and doing for all the right reasons, there there are overlaps and things will come in. Uh, you know, it's like these puzzle yeah, pieces exactly. that start fitting together, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, you don't have to force things. Yeah. Um, and I, I almost think that that's like a messaging that we sometimes get. Um, but I think if you can kind of move away from that, then that's uh, really important and helpful. So Cool. All right, so we've, oh. we've got our last little segment of the podcast here, and these are okay. a set of questions that I ask uh, every guest that comes on, and they're kind of geared more towards uh, the middle school audience. And so mm-hmm. the first one is if you could go back and tell your middle school self anything that would have made navigating middle school or high school easier, what would you, what would you tell yourself? Um, I definitely think I would tell myself kind of what I was just talking about, really, um, to just start, like, developing my – passions and interests and stuff like that early um and to just kind of like gear my life towards what is really important to me um I've always known like what are my core values and stuff like that um and so to start kind of finding things that really fall in line with that um and also I would probably just tell myself to never take anything for granted like I find myself it's my junior year like just looking at my Christmas tree and just feeling sad because I know that in two years, like, I am not going to be just living at my house for my whole December and having my mom, like, create magic like that for me. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a good, just to reiterate that, yeah, I think when you're in middle school, it seems so far away. Like, it oh seems like, oh, my I gosh, I can't believe I've got five more years of this or four more years, but it goes really fast. And so to, yeah. to enjoy it. I know. It's so sad to think about. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. But you really do need to. And I know people hear that from everyone. Mm. But when you get to your junior year, it starts to feel more and more true. Like, I can't even believe this, you know. Like I, I show up and they are calling juniors down to the auditorium or whatever. And I'm like, that's not me. But it is. It is. It is, sadly. <laughs> All right. So stress is something that we're seeing more and more. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's coming down to younger and younger ages and grades and, and mental health is something that we're we're concerned about. And so I'm wondering what you have found to be great ways to manage the stress in your life. Like, what do you do? Um, personally, I think physical exercise is really helpful for me. Um, and that doesn't even have to look like running, but just going for a walk with my dog or with my mom <laughs> mm-hmm. or um, I mean, I guess going for a run if I feel motivated to do so. Or I'll, I've always liked like, calisthenics and lifting weight and stuff like that, so I'll go do that too. Um, or writing things down. I love to journal. I know that I feel like people hear that um, as a mental health managing tip a lot, and it goes in one year and out the other. But if you actually force yourself to sit down and do it, it's really, really helpful. Um, in my experience. And I do, I really like meditating. Um, I think that's kind of unpopular. People think that it's like spiritual. I think meditating is something really important just to have a little bit more like. Do you do guided meditations or just silent meditations? Or? Um, I like to do guided meditations. Mm-hmm. It, it helps me. Um, I use the Headspace app. Yeah. 
Um, I do. I, I've used Headspace and I use Calm um, pretty much yeah. daily as well. Uh, so if you're just starting for meditation, those are two really good apps um, and they have free versions. You can yeah. go on YouTube and uh, just Google or YouTube, just search up um, guided meditations. And mm-hmm. um, the guided part is good when you're just getting started because it helps you focus. They actually walk you through it. But there is immense amounts of research that talk about how, how helpful that is for just resetting and, and you know, reduction yeah. in stress. I really believe in that. I, I even feel like a change like physically when I... Oh, and another thing um, is I like to do a lot of kind of preventative habits to help me deal with my stress. So like for me, um, when I'm eating three healthy meals a day and I'm drinking a lot of water mm-hmm. and I'm getting out to exercise, even if it is just walking, like I said, that really helps me Uh, set myself up to be in a better place especially like going into this week um, I cleaned my room I started thinking about how to prep my lunches and breakfast and stuff like that so that when I'm hit with a lot of stuff like I am right now because it's about to be midterms um, I know that I'm going to be in a better place I would throw your um, journaling and preventative as well to a certain extent Um, you know my 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 son would you know, be up at like, he'd wake up at like one in the morning and he'd be like, Oh dad, I forgot that I had to do this thing. Or I I wanted to tell you about this thing next week. And just writing down that stuff so that it gets out of your brain and onto paper so that you can let go of it. You know, you just can't keep it all up inside of your brain. Um, it just, it just sort of makes it to where like, okay, I can let, I can let go of that now. I've like, I've put it down somewhere. Definitely. And it could be a bad day or it could just be something you're trying to remember or, um, that, that takes me as a nice segue into the next question, which, um, be, because I think one of those things that's preventative and maintenance and, and so important is sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that impacts sleep, I think, for a lot of uh, students is technology. Um, yeah. And so uh, this is kind of a new question that I'm going to throw on here uh, moving forward. But so what would you say your relationship is with technology? And that can be, you know, I'm thinking, you know, as far as phones and social media and, um, um, you know, what does that look like and what advice would you offer middle schoolers who many of them are now getting a, a device for the first time uh, and they're getting on to social media for the first time and they're going to have, you know, if it's not unfettered access, they're going to have a lot more access to it than they have in the past mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, so I definitely think that social media is a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. to our society. Um, probably more of a curse is my personal opinion. Um, I'm not really the biggest fan of it and I never have been. Um, I think that's because, like, I used to look at it with rose-colored glasses because I didn't get a phone until Christmas, my eighth grade year. So I used to just look over my friends' shoulders and whatnot and think, like, wow, I I just wish that I had this. Um, But my mom held out and didn't let me get Instagram actually until this year, until very recently. Um, And I got it, and I just (laughs) I'm just not really that interested in it. Um, actually, which I think is kind of strange because I know a lot of people are, but, uh, I don't know. I I feel like that's not a very like applicable piece of advice to give to people, but, um, well, well, but I think uh, embedded in it, it, there is like, you know, you've, you've made it all the way to your junior year and you know, life went on without having access to social media and probably in a more positive way. And and I think being away from it and then now, okay, you do have access. You're kind of like, Oh, like what was all the hype about? Like, I know, I yeah. know. I I feel like that is so true. Yeah. Um, the hype was about nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not very interesting. Um, I 
well in my opinion I guess I would say to any middle schoolers who are like upset with your parents because they're not letting you have social media um it's not very fun it's not very interesting there are a lot better things to do yeah and I and I would add I mean there's so much conflict that comes with it whether you like it or not and and adults as well struggle with this and they're just the people will say and do things through social media or online that they would never say to another human being in front of you. Um, So it opens up this whole other uh, bag of issues. Um, But I would also say there's, there's the ability to curate what you're doing uh, in social media. And so they, they spend a lot of money on algorithms and making sure that it's showing you um, kind of what you've been accessing and what you've liked and who you followed. And so Mm -hmm. I would say that for the most part, my social media accounts, they really, they, they, because of a choice, kind of like we were talking earlier, they show me really mm-hmm. positive messages and people who yeah. are, are, you know, making those same choices and saying like, I choose to see good in the world and I'm going to be a force. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, if you are going to be in social media and you are going to spend time in that space, so just like you would in the physical space, surround yourself with people that you, you emulate and respect. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of space for that. Um, so I guess that would be my other advice, if you do have to have it or you just really want to, then you always have that choice. And another big thing that I would suggest to people um, is to be really careful with your digital footprint mm. because I'm um, looking at college applications coming up um, and I really want to apply to West Point. Like, that's my dream school. Um, and I'm just thinking, okay, well, that's the Army. Um, you have to put down your Instagram. Mm-hmm handle or your I, I don't have Facebook and Twitter but you have to, supposed to put down those too and if they get onto your account and see things that are um, I guess would give the US Army a bad name then you can't really be a part of yep. their organizations and that's true of colleges and of employers and yeah, you better believe everywhere that when you walk I out know. of that you could have nailed the interview and they're gonna pull up your social media accounts and just Google search your name and if they see anything yeah, crazy. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I just feel like that's such a ridiculous thing to lose an opportunity over. So it, it, um, It's almost unfair. I mean, if coming from a generation <laughs> where we didn't have to worry about that, it, it is a real bummer because there is now this staying power to what you're putting out on uh, as your digital footprint that's forever. Mm-hmm. Um, when At a time when you're supposed to be allowed to make mistakes, too. Um, yeah, I, I definitely that part's tough. don't agree with, like, going back and looking at stuff that people have deleted well, to a certain extent. Sure. But um, I just think that it's never worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, uh, to definitely just make sure that, like, the stuff that you're putting out online is something that you would be comfortable with, like, anyone seeing it. I think a good rule of thumb, like, if you'd be comfortable showing your grandparents or, mm-hmm. I don't know, with your mom showing your grandparents or your mom seeing it, then it... it is probably um, appropriate and post worthy yeah yeah that's difficult too because there's definitely social pressure I guess to to post certain things I mean I have a lot of friends personally that post very different things than I do and I never judge anyone of course you know it's your account do what you want but and I probably would actually make different choices with what I post if I wasn't so conscious of the fact Mm. that it's going to be out there forever yeah and I don't want somebody to judge me off of that who doesn't know anything else about me, I guess, is um, my biggest thing. So I would highly suggest um, keep anything to yourself that you don't want to be out there forever. You wouldn't be embarrassed by. um, That's good advice. Yeah. 
All right, so the last question, just any anything else, anything else you, th you would like to tell middle schoolers um, to be better prepared for when they get to, to where you are? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've said, like, so many different things, but um, I definitely think that just starting to really think about who you are as a person, who you want to be, and how you want to make your mark on the world, just even start formulating a list like what are my values mm. how do I want to show up each day for other people for myself um, how can I really just kind of manipulate this life that I'm given to work for myself and and what um, I need uh, yeah I, I just think that um, you need to start thinking about how you're gonna put your best foot forward because like when stuff starts to build up on you if you don't have stuff like that already um, kind of thought out, it's a lot more difficult to figure out who you are as a scared 18-year-old mm. going into college. I, I love example. that you said, like, start figuring that out. And it's, it's uh, you know, truly, you don't have to have it figured out, but, no. but you want to start thinking about it. And, yeah, and, and that journey will probably continue on forever of trying to figure it out, but being deliberate. And I, I definitely see a lot of students who, are just kind of going through the motions and they're not just sort of having that moment of like, yeah, who am I and, and what kind of message am I projecting about to the world uh, through my actions and, and through what I say. And so I like sure. that, like just start, start trying to figure it out and, and grapple and wrap your arms around it. Yeah. And appreciate everything you can while it lasts. Yeah. Um, even for me, my sisters annoy me all the time, but you know, I go to every one of their performances. Like tonight, I'm really excited that my little sister is having a holiday production and gonna get to go um see you there watch so yep i'll be yeah. there too the musical oh this is at the high school oh the, this is the like four six maybe orchestra maybe all sixth grade orchestra oh, oh, oh okay yeah, yeah. Well, you have something different what's the musical is that a, <laughs> it's a weather vane production. at weather vane yeah, yeah for little maggie so that's awesome i think i'm gonna take her to um starbucks to get hot chocolate and then which she'll love watch. Yeah. that's awesome well, I, I so appreciate you being here. Um, you were a force in my classroom in seventh grade, <laughs> and I see you doing all the right things and making such great decisions, and so I know you're going to be a force you. as you move forward, and I look forward to watching that happen. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thank you.